So, four others. In Paul's service to the Lord, because of his extensive travels, his busy schedule, conflicts he addressed multiple times, and trauma that he experienced. You know, the Apostle Paul, sometimes we use that term very loosely, trauma. We've been traumatized. We've experienced trauma. And yet the Apostle Paul, in a very real way, experienced some great trauma. Mentally, physically, to his person. Because of all of this that he experienced at the hands of fellow Jews, of those who were in authority, he could have very well been detached from personal relationships. And maybe only nurturing a a few friendships along the way. You know, we have a friend that uh, her saying is, trust no one. And I smile because it's, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's, uh, this person also knows that uh, we, we need to trust each other. We need to trust the Lord, right? But for the Apostle Paul, we could have excused him. Couldn't, couldn't we have? I mean, if anyone could have been jaded about uh, the ministry and the church, it would be the Apostle Paul. But he noticed much more than perhaps others thought he noticed. And although he addressed many issues to the churches, he also let them know how much he loved them, how much he cared for them. But more importantly, how much God loved them and demonstrated it through Jesus Christ, his son. You know, Paul was bold enough to confront issues. In fact, Christianity is a faith of confrontation. Did you know that? In case you thought it was just all kumbaya and everyone can get along, you know. No, God confronts us on a daily basis. Just open up the Word for some time and have some devotional time with Him, and you'll realize that God confronts us. He confronts me every day that I open up His Word and realize that I'm falling short just one more time. And so Paul was expressing this godliness in and through his life, confronting issues and dealing with them according to God's word, the truth. But the goal was always to bring glory to God and lead others to repent and live lives that reflected a faith and love for Jesus Christ by aligning their lives with God's word and the Holy Spirit's leading in truth rather than aligning their lives with worldly opinion and the flesh's leading and compromise. Because that's always what will happen. We come near to the world, we come near to the flesh, and we receive from the flesh and from the world, and we're going to compromise, we're going to fall short. But the Apostle Paul always encouraged the brethren in different cities, different areas throughout the world to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and live their lives according to God's word. This morning we're being encouraged by the Apostle Paul's letter to his fellow brothers in Christ, fellow servants of the Lord, and I might add friends that he made and enjoyed being with, and how he expressed his desire to be with them. We cannot do Christianity alone. 
We need to come together. In fact, the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves, as is the matter of some, but coming together or doing so even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. This is critical. This is in keeping of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. As we come together and break bread, we have fellowship. We um, get into the word and we stir each other up to love and good works. Do you have a desire for the fellowship to grow, to serve? That should be something that as followers of Christ is something that we value, we desire. If we don't, we need to ask the question, why don't we? Do we not know God well enough? Do we not know how to bring him glory? Well, read the word, draw near to him, and and his word tells us that he will draw near to us. As as he draws near to us, as, as we draw near to him, he reveals things to us and helps us understand how to live our lives to his glory. And we desire to come together as the brethren, as our brothers and sisters in Christ, encourage us in our walk with him, our relationship with him. You know, John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Galatians 6, 10 says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul took this to heart. He wanted to bring glory to God. Not only did he write this and said it, but he also lived it. It's expressed in his writings. And we will learn more about how much he esteemed others more than himself this morning as we go through this, the conclusion to this chapter. Listen again, if anyone could have made the case of being soured or, or jaded by the church. Perhaps, you know, if you, if you have been in the church for any length of time, you don't have to raise your hands. You perhaps will either hear or you yourself will say, the church has hurt me. People will say, I've been soured by the church. I'm now jaded. I don't want to serve. I just want to come every now and then. I just want to be happy. Right? Just live detached. It's not the church that's hurt you. It's not the ministry that has hurt you. It's people. We deal with people, and this is what ministry is all about. So don't lose heart. Don't quit. Keep going. Ask the Lord to give you strength and prove yourself, yourself to be faithful to the Lord as he is faithful to you. When is it that the Apostle Paul expressed and exemplified a spirit of quitting? Jesus. Can you imagine? As he wept over Jerusalem and he said, you know, (laughs) he did not know the hour of your visitation. And so it's for that reason you guys missed the whole point of me coming. Hey, it's on you. And I'm done here. never did. So why would we 
blame others for our inactivity or for us drawing away. When God is still doing that sanctifying work in our own lives, can anyone raise their hand who's, who've reached perfection? Oh, no, not one. Yeah, because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why then would we expect others to be perfect? Why would we not be compassionate and and patient towards one another. The word tells us, forewarns us, that those are the very qualities that we are to express toward one another, right? Oh, let us learn. Let us learn from those who have gone before us. Let us learn from the very character of God. Let us see how faithful He is toward us, that we might give ourselves, that we might learn, grow, mature, become stronger in the Lord, that we wouldn't be found to be quitters and to excuse our inactivity because of hurt feelings or what someone else did to us. I could have done that a long time. I'm telling you, I could have done that a long time ago. And I have a few people here who can attest to the fact that, that because of things that have occurred in my own life, in the ministry, in the church, that I could have said, bye-bye. I'm out. I'll go do something else. But I can't do anything else. I am compelled to do the very thing I'm doing right now. To teach and to shepherd God's people. That's what I've been called to do. Let us learn from people like the Apostle Paul. Listen. He could have made the case of being soured or being jaded by the church and had enough with the hypocrisy of people and chose to go off to live an isolated life But he knew that his work was unto the Lord. And remember, he regarded himself, the Apostle Paul, the chief of all what? Paul? Once he he repented and came to the Lord, and, and we know the Apostle Paul, we see his writings, amazing, right? That he of all people, as he drew near, closer to the Lord, he realized, oh, how unrighteous he really was. You know, it's amazing as we read the word, and we consider our own hearts, our thoughts, we think, oh my. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry once again. Please forgive me. Don't we? We should. He called himself the chief of all sinners. He knew that he was a man that was sinful and fallen and needed to be encouraged to not only have faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, but also for everyday living to bring him glory. He didn't isolate himself, but rather gave himself even more to serving others as he kept his eyes on Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ was his glory, his goal. Paul had desired to visit the church in Rome, but had been so busy in ministry, in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching others in other areas that he wasn't able to. He he said, as we read, he longed to go to them, but he was doing all of these other things, all these different areas that he couldn't come to them. But now that this work was done, he said he had a few other things to do, and then he planned on being there in Rome with the brethren for some time as he continued on to Spain. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
So we need to learn how to love. We, we need to learn God's definition of love and then apply that in our own lives. So Paul had a desire to serve in fellowship. A godly character, a godly characteristic that reflected what God desires of his people. So again, verse 23 says, or verse 22, I'm sorry, says, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So again, Paul had a desire to go to Rome for many years and spend some time with the brethren there, but he was busy. He was busy sharing the gospel, teaching the word, planting churches, building leaders, and then sending them out to places like like Crete and Ephesus and Corinth. Not mentioning, he also was dealing with the enemies of the faith of Jesus Christ who physically attacked him and had a desire to kill him. Paul's desire to go to Rome was trumped by the work that God had for him to accomplish elsewhere. You know, some, sometimes what we insist on is the very thing that God gives us over to. You know, we know what is the right thing to do, but then we desire something else that perhaps maybe is easier You know, for the Apostle Paul, it would have been easier to go to Rome and just to hang out with the brothers there. But yet he chose to do that which the Lord had assigned for him to do in these other areas. But he sensed the time was close, that he would finally be able to spend some time there there with them in Rome. But he did tell them that his stay with them would be for a short time. I'm coming to you, but I'm staying there for a short time because he planned on stopping there and be helped by them as he continued on to Spain to continue spreading the gospel throughout the western region. As a note, because we know how it all worked out, Paul never really was able to spend time with the church in Rome as he had planned. He'll spend time with the church in Rome, but not as he planned. He did go to Rome, but not as a free man, and he certainly did not continue on to Spain to preach the gospel there the way he wanted to, although it is believed that he did finally make it to Spain at some point after his initial Roman imprisonment. But here's what we need to consider. This is what did not change. Again, this is an encouragement to you and I. Don't quit, for in due season, if you don't give up, you'll reap a reward. Our reward, our our treasures heaped up in heaven. It's not something that we have here on earth, but something that we will know eternally speaking. This is what did not change. And that was the fact that Paul never stopped being a servant of Jesus Christ. And he continued to preach the gospel even while in chains. Even on his way to Rome, he preached the gospel to Felix, to King Agrippa, and Bernice. Paul gave his testimony. And then in Acts chapter 26, verses 28 and 29, it says, And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become as I am, except for these chains." 
So this was after Paul had given his testimony that King Agrippa responded in this way. He says, it doesn't matter whether long or short, it, it doesn't matter. I, I would hope that you would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ just as I have. And yet, absent these chains that I'm in. You see, Paul's life was lived for the glory of Jesus and for the benefit of others. Even then, he wasn't thinking of how soon am I going to get out? He was, he was redeeming the moment. He had discerned that God had placed him in that very moment for such a time as this. King Agrippa, Bernice, Felix, they did not know the Lord. He didn't go and plead with them, please. Can you remove these? I, I'm, I'm an innocent man. He, he didn't say that. He gave his testimony. It's for this reason that I'm in chains. Because I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I declare Jesus as the Savior of the world. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. It's through his shed blood that we are justified. That we know redemption from our sins. Reconciliation unto the Father. There is no other way. Repent today. It's for this reason that I'm in chains. And he gave his testimony of how it was that he came to the Lord. He redeemed the moment. He made the best use of it. Nothing was stopping him while he had breath in his lungs and a heartbeat. From simply declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even if he was able to stop there in Rome, Paul was also expressing an expectation of them to help him on his journey beyond Rome after he stayed there for a while. There's more work to be done. I long to see you, and I, I'm sensing that I'm going to be with you sometime soon. But as I come, I expect you to, after I stay a while with you, to help me on my journey to Spain. Do, do you notice a pattern here? As Christians, we're called to a life of serving God as we serve others. We, we cannot do that if we isolate ourselves. It's, it's impossible to do that. I know, and I, I want to say it again, because sometimes we say, well, my family is my ministry. Yeah. You know, you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't provide for your families, what the Bible tells us. That's almost like a given, you know. It's something that we ought to be doing. We ought to be ministering to those in our own household. But that's not the end of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't fulfill Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through uh, 16. We wouldn't uh, fulfill Acts 2, 42 through 47, uh, we, we would certainly be hit and miss with Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the body would be missing parts. You know, it's a given what we do at home, but then we come together and worship God in what the Lord has declared for this to happen regularly and for us to participate in it. It's not one or the other. It's and. And I bring that truth to you this morning.
to encourage you that we would be about those things that the Lord has called us to. Because as we see this, as we have studied through the book of Romans and through Paul's letters to the various churches, we see the body coming together and serving and growing, being built up in the Lord. We serve God by serving others. If you have love for one another, right? So it's got to be visible. And again, I remind you of Galatians 6.10, which says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In the meantime, he refers to service elsewhere. It says in verse 25, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do, do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So in the meantime, service elsewhere. The Apostle Paul uh, was on his way to Jerusalem and would stop in Corinth and deliver a collection from Macedonia and Achaia to those who were in need in Jerusalem. So he had collected from the brothers and sisters there and was bringing that. And they were very generous as uh, we've studied through the book of, of Acts. They were very generous, and so he was bringing the contribution to Jerusalem. They were of need. Economically, Jerusalem was experiencing difficult days, and Paul is collecting again for their benefit and would deliver the aid personally, but he wasn't planning on staying there. He wasn't planning on staying in Jerusalem. He wasn't even planning on staying in Rome as he uh, continued on his journey. Now, turn with me back to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 1. So this was when the Apostle Paul was, again, was being opposed And in Acts chapter 20, verse 1, it says, After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And we'll stop there. Just a glimpse, again, a reminder that the Apostle Paul, I mean, I, I refer to him as the bulldog of Christianity because there was no quitting with Paul. You notice that he was all about encouraging, and at the same time, he was dealing with opposition. He was dealing with the threat of, of imprisonment, uh, of physical harm. And yet he was like, okay, I'm, I'm here to encourage you in the faith, and I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep going. This was, by the way, on his way to Jerusalem with the aid that they had given him, the brothers and sisters. So he had a bag full of money. It wasn't for him. He wasn't going to skip town. He continued to do the work of the ministry. He just kept going. Nothing was going to stop him. 
Nothing at all. The Gentile Christians in Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to help them out. And Paul was saying that they also owed it to them to help them out. You know, the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Um, one who is just overjoyed with helping in some way, shape, or form the work of the ministry. I, there's no burden whatsoever. I find it a great joy. Like after the second song, normally uh, what we have happening as we begin to worship the Lord is we have a time of giving, tithes and offerings. Like a tithe is a tenth, uh, an offering is anything above and beyond. That's what that is. So it's our time. I know <clears throat> we have on the screen uh, the way in which you could do that. You could do it on the website. You could do it through text. Um, and you can do it physically too. We do have a box in the back to where you can drop in. Um, it, you guys know we, we still write on paper and uh, in those checks. There's, they're called checks. Yeah. But we do all of that. But that should be done joyfully, not reluctantly. Cheerfully, knowing that we are certainly going about doing the Father's business and spreading the gospel and making disciples of all nations. Paul was one of those. The brothers and sisters in these different regions, they gave willingly. They give, in fact, it pleased them, pleased them to give. Yes, help our brothers and sisters there. That's what blesses and glorifies the Lord. You see, the Apostle Paul also encouraged them. You actually owe it to them. Yeah, it pleases you, but you owe it to them. Why? Because the Gentile believers in these various regions had benefited so much from the Christians in Jerusalem that they should feel a bit compelled to help them out in their time of need, and they did. They were generous. Like, man, we benefited so much, of course we'll help you out. Man, here you go, Paul, you know, take it back and, and tell them we're praying for them and, and, and we wish them well and, and hopefully we hear some, some good report that, that God is bringing them through this tough time. There's no burden. They express this generosity with grateful hearts knowing that they had benefited greatly from them. You know, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, in regards to how we ought to be with each other, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give, uh, give it when you have it with you. Do not withhold, especially as it pertains to the brethren in the church and above all towards Jesus Christ. This is the attitude that we as Christians should have toward Jesus and how we serve him as we see this expressed, not because it's a duty and is burdensome, but because it's a pleasure to do so, enduring and persevering through what we are faced with as we are grateful for the grace that he has demonstrated to us in forgiving us of our sins and justifying us before the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ having the assurance of heaven for all eternity. So it's, we live hopeful lives, we grateful hearts. We possess. 
So Paul was planning on going to them after he delivered the aid to the saints in Jerusalem. In the verse 30, as we continue, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. What was Paul's concern? Paul's concern was for the furtherance of the gospel. That, that's it, period. Paul's urgent request. As he said, I, I appeal to you. His urgent request was that the saints in Rome would join him in the one thing that we started out in the announcements with, and that is to pray. This was his urging. I am urging you. Please join me in praying, interceding on my behalf that anyone who opposes Paul in Jerusalem would be held back from causing any harm and Paul would be allowed to serve the Lord in Jerusalem. That's what his desire was. By the way, this was not a weak kind of passive time of prayer that he was requesting. What, he, what the Apostle Paul was asking for is, is an all-out no holds barred, just completely just dismantling darkness in the heavenlies through prayer. Have you ever labored in prayer? This is what he was asking him to do. I call on you. I sound the trumpet of battle. The sound that you are hearing is one that is calling you to arms. Paul was asking, please, I urge you. It's not just, eh, you know, if you can, Lord, help him out. No, it's, Lord, take down your enemies. Confuse them. Take them out. Ensure that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forth unhindered in Jerusalem, that the aid that they need gets to them, that they use it to your glory. We lift up your people and ask that you would give them favor, that you would use Paul as a vessel, an instrument of righteousness, to bring forth the good news of Jesus Christ, that you would be glorified. We ask, Lord, that you would subdue the enemy, you would remove them in whatever way you want to remove them. We know you can. Oh, he was calling for them to battle. It wasn't a weak, passive time of prayer he was asking them to engage in, but a full-on act of spiritual warfare. Strive together with me in your prayers. That's what that statement means. You see, praying was and is important. It's critical. And that is the very reason why we elevate that here at Refuge. We cannot pray, or pray enough. We, we cannot participate in that enough, engage in it enough. We cannot. When the question is asked, do you believe you pray enough? Our answer should always be no, not enough. 
Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. And then Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything. What is anything? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, grateful hearts, right? Thankful. Let your requests be made known to God. When we consider his greatness, his power, when we consider who he is, the hope that we have in him, we can say with Paul, to live as Christ, to die is gain. If God is for us, who can be against us? All things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. We can say all these things and mean them sincerely, genuinely say them, and then find ourselves in a place to where we are encouraged, we're filled with hope, and we're filled with that peace that surpasses all understanding as we have laid everything before the Lord, letting our requests be made known to God. Paul is asking for them to engage in the spiritual warfare, that he would be delivered from the hand of his, hands of his enemies, that he would be able to deliver the aid to encourage the brethren in Jerusalem with the gospel and testify of all that the Lord had done on his journeys. He wanted to share that. He wanted to be able to share that with the, with the church in Jerusalem. Paul wasn't worried or filled with anxiety about his travel to Jerusalem. You know, danger awaits you. Hmm. Maybe I should pray about it then. Because if danger awaits me, then maybe that's not the place where I need to go. No, he just asked, he asked his, his brethren there in Rome, please pray for me. I'm going in. You see, a, a spiritual warrior will always go into the fight, will not run away. I was asked the other day why it was that on shirts and uniforms, um, American servicemen uh, have American flags, one on this side and one on the other side, if you have two patches. And they're both facing to the rear, right? And so I, I explained um, that the American flag always advances and moves forward, never retreats. Therefore, if an American flag is held on a pole, if it's moving forward, it will always be trailing right? How much more are we as Christians supposed to be advancing and moving toward that which we are called to move into and engage in warfare that the God of creation, our Lord and Savior, has called us to? Be prepared. Be prepared and engage. We are called. The, the full armor of God is made to advance, not retreat. There's, there's, by the way, there's no covering in the rear. <laughs> so you decide to turn around and run away, the fiery darts will come at you. Listen, the Apostle Paul wasn't filled with anxiety. No worry about his travels. He was just simply asking to be covered in prayer. You know, we have a team that's going to Haiti. We make a serious and urgent request that you cover us in your prayers because we know that the enemy does not like when the gospel goes forth to the lost and encourages the saints. We have much ministry happening here in Riverside and through Refuge. 
We make a serious and urgent request that you cover the church in your prayers, for the enemy does not like what is happening here. I ask that you pray for me that I may serve God and it would be adequate, satisfactory, and my work would be sufficient to participate in building you up in the Lord and point you to his faithfulness and his grace and his salvation. Paul was not concerned about being acceptable to the saints in Jerusalem in the sense that they were given the power to determine whether his ministry was good enough but in the sense that they received the ministry he served with them and to them with. You see, he was always of the desire to be adequate and satisfactory to the service unto the Lord. That he would serve with a right heart and for the right reasons. And that's what he asked for, as he said, to pray and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that it would be satisfactory unto the Lord and it would be received by those whom he was ministering to. And finally, Paul begins his conclusion with the words, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I want to close by reading in Acts chapter 28 and then make some closing remarks. Acts chapter 28. Remember that when we started going over this section of scripture, that Paul expressed this longing to go to the church in Rome. Well, keep that in mind as we read Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 16. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Putioli. Uh, There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Apias, Apias, actually, and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. Paul Paul indeed did make it to Rome but not as expected. Nevertheless, even in chains, Paul was not hindered from serving others and continued to preach the gospel, even in chains. Paul knew God's grace as he knew the forgiveness of his sins when he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and he wanted everyone else to know that same grace that he had come to know. Through Christ. I ask you to pray for yourself. We oftentimes are asked to pray for others. Pray for yourself. That you may be meek and humble. And yielded to God in his authority in your life. That he may give you that humility to receive his word. In such a way that you then 
express it in your own life to his glory. Pray that you would live out or work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then pray for others. But pray also that you would persevere in the face of difficulties. That you would persevere when opposition comes your way. When distractions are offered to you. That which would take you away from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And lead lives of serving others. As we serve Christ our Lord and Savior. We need to pray for the church that we would be those people who are ready, as we sang, for the return of Jesus Christ. That we would be those people who persevere in the face of opposition. That we advance and we, we ask each other for prayer. Pray for me. Not, not that I would withdraw, not that I would draw back. But man, as I advance, that I would have even more boldness in the words to speak that when I am asked for the hope that lies within me, that I have an answer for that person. That when distractions come, I, I am discerning and I'm able to recognize them for what they are and put them off to the side where they belong and continue to look to you. Our Lord Jesus Christ. I do desire this for all of us. May the God of peace be with you all and all of God's people. In agreement, says, say, amen. Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for this encouragement. Lord, I, I know it's a word of exhortation. Lord, I pray that it, it reached the depths of our hearts, Lord, that your word did that work as a surgeon does in the life of a person that needs things removed, things fixed, Lord, and Lord, that you would bring not only strength, Father, but purity to our lives, that you would be honored and glorified. Lord, that you would help us to advance, fixing our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our, our faith, that you would be glorified not only in our fellowship, expressing the love toward one another, but we would be obedient to your word and express the love for you. And so, Father, forgive us as we have fallen short. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to walk obediently with you. And I do ask, Father, that if there's anyone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today they would understand, as Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. That in this very moment, they would acknowledge that, not only acknowledge that, but they, that they would believe that and receive that truth unto themselves and cry out to you and ask you for forgiveness and for Jesus to be truly their Lord and Savior. May today be the day of salvation. May you be honored and glorified. May you, your work be done here on earth as it's been decried and set forth in heaven. We thank you, Father, for this time, and we pray this in Jesus' name.